Can we get somebody to roll a death march? Is there is there like a song that's like you know taps or something <laughs> that we can? You like my trumpet? Uh, yes, uh, star of the show, Adam Beasley, with the great production value that he brings <laughs> to the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am caddy of the show, Armando Salguero, and star of the show, uh, the season's over, dude. Ugh. Well, it, it ended. <laughs> there was certainly a conclusion to the 2020-2021 season. Uh, uh, yikes. That was, uh... Mondo, when I was watching it, I, I had flashbacks to early 2019. Uh, they have not looked that bad since they were playing 25 guys that they pulled off the street the week before. Yeah, I mean, the score for a while there was indicative of early 2019, was it not? I mean, was it not like 56 to 13 at one point or something like that? It was uh, – they – yeah, I think they uh, – I'll have to go back and read the box score, but they, they scored some garbage points late to make it look better than it was. Uh, not only did they get boat raced completely obliterated by maybe the best team in the National Football League, but uh, they got beat by their backups, Armando. Their backups beat them 28-20 to 20 in the second half. That That is – oh, boy. That is uh, the most devastating loss I can I, – I would say that was the most devastating loss in the Brian Flores era. It wasn't those first few losses in 2019. It wasn't the season opener this year. It was that game with playoff implications, win and you're in, and the Dolphins not only didn't win – they didn't compete. It it was it was a, a a butt whipping. Yeah, you knew at fourteen to you, you knew at twenty one to three, and you thought at fourteen to three, this is over. They're not coming back. This is an offense that's very limited that cannot score points. And and if Buffalo wanted to try, like well, keep in mind, Buffalo didn't try yesterday. I mean, they tried for the first half, and then they called off the dogs. If they had tried, if they needed every single point they could get. They could have dropped 70 yesterday. I mean, there was, there was absolutely no stopping, no stopping Josh Allen and what those wide receivers are doing to the Miami Dolphins defense. So there are some topics we have to address because that leads us to an offseason where the Dolphins will be addressing topics. There will be, <laughs> there will be topics on the agenda, uh, and I believe let, – let's just get it out there. So – 10-6, 2020 for the Miami Dolphins. Good season, great season, eh, mediocre season. Where, where, where did we fall? Uh, better than expected, but not great. Is that fair? That is fair. Oh, better than expected, but not good enough. How's that? Yeah, even better. Um, and it's kind of wild that they – they went 10-6 and six in the first year of a 14-team playoff and still couldn't get in. I mean, this is only the third time in franchise history, and they've been playing since 1966 that they've missed the playoffs with 10 wins. So I, I, think, I think most any other season, 10-6 and six will be fine. But I, here's the thing. I think the pandemic 
really inflated some some records and really artificially diminished some records because I think some teams that were probably like the Dolphins that had you know eight or nine win talent beat up on a bunch of teams that were just complete disasters. And I think some of these teams that were complete disasters would have been a lot better if this was a normal season. So I don't think you'll see again, um, you know, I mean, there were, there were eight, ten win teams in the AFC going into week 17. I don't think you'll ever see that again. That's, that's absolutely astounding. Um, but it is what it is, and they're on the outside looking in. All right, so – that's behind us. The number one scoring defense up until yesterday in the NFL was the Miami Dolphins. Is that a number one scoring defense? Oh, I mean, clearly not. Uh, they gave up 87 points this year to one team, Armando. Uh, I, I remember back, I think the scoring record in the NFL for a season is, is below 160, and they gave up more than half of that. To one team this year. I mean, that is incredible. It is jarring. Uh, it, 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 it shredded a lot of myths about how dominant and suffocating that secondary was. I think that they, um, I think Xavier Howard had a fantastic season, and I think everybody else was between okay and worrisome at times. Um, so, no, that, that was not close to the number one defense in the NFL. And, again, this was kind of a bookend season. The beginning of the season was really, really worrisome. Uh, the, 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 the defense played okay in the opener against uh, New England and horrendous in week two against Buffalo. And towards the end of the season, when they started playing good teams again, they really should have gone one and three. I mean, they, they, they would have been one and three if not for the, the you know, the, the hail face mask that, that Fitzpatrick threw up that was literally a one in a thousand, if not more, play. So, yeah, no, this is a team that, that was solid that has some really good players on defense, but it's not a finished product. Not a finished product, and it's a product that, uh, I have to tell you, man, uh, some of the finishing touches that they've already made, I'm not all that thrilled about. And and let let me just preface it by saying this is not a commentary on guys that will be replaced, okay? Because the following guys will not be replaced. Christian Wilkins is not going to be replaced. Fair? Absolutely fair. Okay. Kyle Van Noy is not going to be replaced. Fair? Not in 2021. Byron Jones is not going to be replaced. Fair? Not in 2021. Correct. And yet, I don't think that they played up to expectations, number one. Uh, Salary as far as the two veterans, number two, and draft uh, compensation in the Wilkins situation. I, You know, let, let me just be clear. Christian Wilkins is a solid player. He's basically Zach Seiler. And, <laughs> and yet one of them was an undrafted free agent and one of them was a first-round pick. And it says a lot for Zach Seiler, but Christian Wilkins, he's not, he's not rushing the passer. He's not creating pressure. He's not doing things that turn you into a great team. Yeah, I, I think that's all correct. I think you can look very closely at some of their, their roster decisions. And, you know, I don't have offhand uh, who was drafted immediately after Christian Wilkins. I don't know if he was the best player 
in that, you know, five to ten slot following their pick. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to second guess that right now without all the information. Uh, but you're, you're right. They don't – I mean, how many playmakers do they have on defense this year? They had Xavier Howard, of course, which was probably – he was probably the best playmaker in defense in the National Football League. They had Emmanuel Ogba, who had a fantastic first half of the season and an okay second half of the season. And then they had a bunch of solid players, which, which is good. You can, make a, a, you can make a solid defense out of a bunch of solid players. But back to your original point, that's not the number one defense in the National Football League. Kyle Van Noy, is he appreciably better than Andrew Van Ginkle? He's not $12.5 million a year better. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how you have to judge these guys, not just on how they perform, but how they perform, as you mentioned, with relation to their compensation, both in terms of, you know, salary and in draft. So, yeah, no, I mean, there's, there, there is not a $12.5 million a year difference between Kyle Van Noy and Andrew Van Ginkle, not even close. Byron Jones uh, had that great interception yesterday. Great. It was great. Uh, he also got toasted multiple times. They picked on him. They picked on him, and they picked on Nick Needham, and it worked. And they were doing it most of the time with second-string wide receivers, and it worked. Uh, that That's not good enough for the highest-paid player on the team, the highest-paid cornerback on the team, one of the highest-paid cornerbacks in the NFL. Not good enough. Yeah, he's shown a real problem with running with guys, which is surprising because he's, I mean, you look at your stopwatch and he's, he's two-tenths of a second faster than Xavier Howard in the 40. But I don't see Xavier getting beat over the top like that. I mean, that's, that to me is something that they're going to have to address in the offseason. What, what's going on with his technique, with his, you know, his ability to identify the ball, to, to, to get beat that badly? Uh, on 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 go routes basically when that's the one thing he should do really well. I think Adam, the point I'm trying to make, at least for this defense, is it needs more playmakers. And the guys that they ex, uh, you know expended or spent resources on to be those playmakers, they they're not or they weren't. And so something needs to happen. And yeah, oh by the way, this team needs a pass rusher who can win without having to have the scheme win it for him. They need a pass rusher. Well, that's what they signed Shaq Lawson for, and that didn't really materialize. I mean, Agba, again, I, I, I don't know offhand how many sacks he ended up with, probably around 10, between 8 and 10. For his contract, that's fine. I mean, that, he is overplaying his contract big time. I, can't, I don't think you can say uh, the same about Lawson. And, and, and just so our listeners know, we kind of have a unofficial pre-show production meeting with a group text, <laughs> and part of the group text, something I brought up to you was this: this was a five and eleven, or if not six and ten, team uh, that had twenty-nine turnovers. Uh, you have twenty-nine take- takeaways, and that's how you win ten games. They didn't win ten games because they were a sound. We're going to beat you every single play. We're going to be efficient on offense and stifling on defense. No. They won because their defensive special teams set up a bunch of short fields, if not scored points themselves, and that was a difference maker. And I think the biggest question going forward for not just this defense but for the entire team is how much of what they did this year was sustainable. Can they rely on 29 takeaways again next year? I would, I would. Uh, I mean, I'm not a betting man, Armando. <coughs> I, 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 you know, I, I keep my money in my pocket. But if I were a betting man, I would be. I would wager a, a hefty sum. 
that you don't see many teams with 29-plus turnovers in consecutive seasons. So they're due for a regression there. And so the, I think the broader question is, is how do you make up as an organization for something you know is going to take a step back? And, and I think there's a lot of ways we can get into that. We should probably take a quick break, though, right? Uh, yeah, before we do that, let's, let me add this one small uh, little tidbit caveat to the 19 uh, turnovers. Ten of those were by um, our, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Oh yeah, the guy I just voted for defensive player of the year, Xavier Howard. What's going to happen when he comes to the team this off season and requests a pay bump, a <laughs> contract redo? What's what's going to happen? It in by the way, <laughs> uh, with three years remaining on the deal, on his current deal. Uh, I'll answer that question and get into so much more uh, when we get back. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, when we left you, we were uh, Armando wisely brought up uh, one of the biggest questions of the offseason the Dolphins will face what to do with Xavier and Howard. Uh, we know that there was some friction between Howard and the organization two, two and a half months ago near the trade deadline. And we know because of your great reporting that he doesn't want to be paid like the number two cornerback on his own team when he might be the number one cornerback in the entire National Football League. So what do the Dolphins do? Are they going to set the uh, precedent of tearing up a guy's contract with three years left on it and, and paying him a sizable raise, or do they deal with the pain of, of a holdout, or, and this is kind of hard to even say out loud, do they think about moving on? What, what do you think, Armando? Well, I, I think that the I think that the term that I'm going to be writing throughout the offseason, Adam, is um, everything is on the table. <laughs> Everything is mm-hmm. on the table. I don't think – look, I don't think that for sure Xavier Howard is gone, and I don't think that for sure he stays. I don't think that for sure they draft Devonta Smith number three, and I don't think for sure that they don't. I don't think for sure they are going with Tua Tonga Bailoa as the starter in 2021, and I don't think for sure they're getting rid of him. Everything is on the table as we speak here on January 3rd, the Monday morning after a 56-26 loss to the Buffalo Bills. As well it should be. There, uh, one of the first things that stuck with me uh, almost two years later 
One of the first things that uh, Brian Flores said that really made my, you know, my head, my brain kind of pop a little bit was, quote, there are no sacred cows on this team. And he was saying that in reference to, I believe, Rashad Jones, uh, who had sat out the spring uh, OTAs or whatever. Uh, and I asked him, does a starting, starting job waiting for him? And he said, there are no sacred cows. He's got to earn it like everybody else. And here's the thing, uh, New Year's Mondo. <laughs> uh, Rashad Jones had done far, far, far more in his career than anyone on the Dolphins roster, probably except for Xavier Howard has. And that, that is up to and including the quarterback. So, yes, if, 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 if Brian Flores is going to play hardball with a multiple Pro Bowl safety who was probably their biggest playmaker at the time in the secondary, that was before Xavier really popped, I think, um, he's going to be okay if they have a way to upgrade at quarterback. And I think that's what people have to get their brains around because this will be with, – with Ryan Tannehill did it often a huge favor yesterday but also created a giant headache. By throwing that 52-yard bomb to A.J. Brown to set up a game-winning field goal that against the Texans that gave the Dolphins the number three overall pick, he gave them number three overall pick with all kinds of options in front of them. He also gave them the number three overall pick with all kinds of options in front of them that might not go well for the fans of this team who are emotionally and, 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 and just totally monetarily invested in Tua being the savior of this franchise. Well, we have not seen the two of Alabama in the NFL yet. We just haven't. We have to be honest about that. Um, and so if Brian Flores, uh, who is so ruthless that he benched his number five overall draft pick twice in five games, and then only reason he didn't bench him yesterday was, <laughs> was because Ryan Fitzpatrick had COVID, you can be damn sure that he's going to explore every single avenue to upgrade at that and any other position. And just because he treats, just because fans think quarterbacks should be treated differently than everybody else, that doesn't mean Brian Flores agrees. He doesn't see a huge difference in how you treat Tua Tungavaloa to how you treat Xavier Howard. And and if and if Tua doesn't fit in their plans and someone else better does, they will absolutely go absolutely go and pursue that player, draft him, and, or sign him if possible. So you 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 talked a lot about Tua just now. Let's talk some more about Tua because that's going to be the dominant topic of of the uh, of the seat of the off season, and it goes beyond. Do, does he stay or does he go? It really does go beyond that. Um, I guess the other options are he stays and we get him a veteran to compete with him. Mm-hmm. Or he stays and we draft someone high and we'll see what we'll see. Or he stays and we'll bring back Shadow Man Fitz, the human net, <laughs> and to to hopefully catch him if he falls again next year or he doesn't stay. So what happens? Well, um, I, I don't know why, and again, I talked about this a little bit, I don't know why if you draft a starting tackle at number five overall and he's shaky and he's led to some losses and you have a, the option to – uh, to get a player who's better, why can you do that with a tackle but not with a quarterback, Armando? Why, why is – because, look, I, I'm going to mangle his name because I don't think I've actually ever heard it pronounced out loud. 
But the Oregon tackle Sewell, is that how you say it? Sewell? Sewell? I, I don't know how you say it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I, that's one thing I'm going to have to get better at this offseason. But if he's there at three and you have conviction he's going to be a Hall of Famer, you don't not draft him because Austin Jackson's on the roster. You, you draft the best player to make your team better. The, 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 the way NFL teams have gotten stuck in the hamster wheel is because they thought in old ways. In old, in, just because things have always been done one way, that's the way things should be continued to be done. And I, I think the Cardinals, you know, I, I admire their courage after using a top 10 pick on a quarterback the very next year, drafted one one overall because they had conviction the quarterback they were drafting first overall was better than the quarterback they drafted 10th. And you know what? They're right. They haven't made the playoffs yet, but there's there's no question Kyler Murray's better than Josh Rosen. There's just no question. So if the Dolphins find themselves in a similar situation, they should, Tua shouldn't be off limits. There's absolutely nothing that we've seen out of, out of Tua this year that should make him off limits. And if they if they do draft a quarterback, you'll find out a lot about his toughness, how he how he prepares during the offseason, how he conducts himself in training camp, how he plays in the preseason. And if he goes out and wins the job, you know what, Armando? This will be a better team because of it, because they would have they will have pushed a guy that has a lot of talent that hasn't really realized that talent yet into becoming a more complete player, and that's a good thing. So the Cardinals were very smart in uh, drafting an, another quarterback a year after they drafted draft bust Josh Rosen, and they found a team that was dumb enough to give up <laughs> a second and a fifth round pick for him. Even though one of the writers on that that covers that team challenged the head coach and the general manager about that very trade, the very day that it happened. But nonetheless, um, let's not go there. <laughs> I feel like you want to. I feel like you want to go there. I just. I just feel like. I mean, something. Sometimes you see a truck coming, and there's a person in the middle of the road, and your choice is to avert your eyes or to yell, "Get out of the way!" And you know, sometimes they don't get out of the way. So well, I think, and, and 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 to your broader point, uh, I think you astutely pointed out the next big Mack truck of facing the Miami Dolphins. And it's running this team back next year. And it's saying, hey, look, we were close. Let's tweak around the margins. Let's get our right. quarterback another year of experience in the system. Uh, and boom, we'll be off to the races. we got assets. we got cap space. We can build on what we have uh, because we're not that far away. And we saw yesterday they're not close. They are not close to competing for, an, for a world championship. They're just not. Just like they weren't close in 2016. Um, and, and, and I think you're right. I think that is the, that is the biggest worry I have going into this offseason is they think that what, what they have is going to be good enough with another year of experience. That's just not going to be, that's just not the case. The one thing I would say, and this is going to be interesting to watch it play out. We are going to be in year three of the Flores Greer administration next year. And so to draft a quarterback at number three overall is to admit we blew it on number five overall the previous year. There's no other way to say it. There is no one on earth that can tell me that you draft a quarterback number three overall in 2020 
unless you believe that you blew it with the number five overall pick in 20, excuse me, 2021, and you blew it in 2020 with the number five overall pick. Uh, how, how do you make the argument that we're fine with bringing on another quarterback? And, oh, by the way, we didn't mess up on the last guy we picked. We're going to bring him back, too. You can't do it, Adam. No, I, no, no. Well, no, Well, that, that's, that's the thing is that they've, they, they've drafting whoever might be, Justin Fields, uh, whoever's there at three for them uh, that they like, if they do that, they're obviously saying, we believe this player is better than what we have. Now, the question is, do you, just because of that embarrassment and just because you don't like the, 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 you know, the visuals of that, well, first of all, the owner would have to sign off on it, clearly. And he would have to come out and say publicly, I have full faith and confidence in my head coach and general manager to, 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 to get this team to the Super Bowl, and I'm going to trust their decisions to do so. Um, but I, 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 don't, I, I think if there's one coach that doesn't give a bleep about what the, the, you know, the outside narrative is, it's Brian Flores, right? I mean, it, he seems impervious, impervious to, uh, you know, outside, um, what's the word, uh, influence, whatever it is, he's not going to feel pressured into a decision. We saw it last year with Josh Rosen sitting the entire season, even though they had nothing to, to play for. Uh, and we saw it this year by benching your number five over a quarterback twice in five starts because he stunk up the joint. I mean, that. It, so if there is a coach that can get away with kind of swallowing it and moving on, it's Flores. I, I don't. I don't. I'm less concerned about how it looks than how it works, right? Because if we're sitting here 12 months from now and uh, they, you know, they 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 draft Zach Wilson or whom I don't know, maybe they go and trade for a quarterback because there are going to be some quarterbacks on the market, and we're talking playoffs and a first round buy because it worked. No one's going to care what the narrative was in January, February, March, and April. They're just not. Yeah, he's impervious to opinions. He's not impervious to 56 to 26, and he's not impervious. He's very pervious when he sees that his team uh, made a mistake. So let, let's let's clarify that. And by the way, one guy that is also very pervious is Chris Greer, who happens to be Brian Flores' boss. I think people forget that. Chris Greer, reputation online, uh, he's been here a long time. And, hello, you need to get the quarterback decision correct or you need to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that is NFL 101. It's not about Chris Greer. It's about everybody in the NFL needs to make one great decision. Everyone who is running an organization, you can blow the center, jo- the center uh, pick you can blow the wide receiver pick. You can blow the linebacker signing. You cannot blow the quarterback pick or quarterback veteran acquisition. You cannot. Cannot. And if if Chris Greer is looking at the draft and going, well, I can, you know, kind of help Tua and put more guys around him, and that will insulate Tua, and thus insulate me. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Greer is going to think long and hard about doing exactly that. I, I will say this: uh, ten six, as we mentioned at the top of the show, 
beat expectations. So, uh, yes, he's he doesn't look great by the, because of the quarterback choice, but he looks really good in one other way, Armando. They have the number three overall pick because they had the boldness to trade Laramie Tunsil, right? I mean, I, 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 if you would have told me at the time, and, and, I, and I crushed the move because I thought it was completely just waving the flag and, 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 and basically uh, giving up on the players in the locker room when you make that kind of move. But I, I would have been wrong if I had said that. I, I, the, he's been proven correct because Tunsil's been okay. He hasn't been great. He hasn't lived up to his contract. And now they have a chance to remake their roster. So what that told me in the t- at the moment was they're not afraid to make the bold move. They're not afraid to make the unpopular move. And, and, and I'll be honest, yes, Tua has been a concern. But on balance, I kind of trust the decisions that particularly Brian Flores makes. Like, a vast majority of the hot button things that we've crushed him for have in the end kind of worked out for him. So like, I think what? He, like what? Like what? Yeah, they went ten and six this year. I mean, they won. They 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 won games by benching their uh, their their rookie quarterback. They, let me ask yeah, you something. I, I, what I, is, I, I, what I is thought, Brian? Let me finish. Let me finish. I, I I didn't even think that Tua should have been playing this year, and they still were in the in the playoff hunt with a week to go. So there have been a lot of big things that they've gotten right. Brian Flores is fifteen and seventeen in his two years. Joe Philbin was fifteen and seventeen in his two first two years. Uh, Adam Gase was 16 and 16. So Brian Flores is a genius. He hasn't made the playoffs. Gase uh, made the playoffs one time. Philbin didn't make the playoffs. Brian Flores right now, his career arc and his production is the same as Joe Philbin's. Joe Philbin with this team would have gone 2 and 14. <laughs> I don't know what he would have done. I know what he did, and I know what Flores has done. And we can love on Flores. Look, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Up until yesterday, I was going to vote for him for Coach of the Year. <laughs> I can't bring myself to do it at this point, not after yesterday. I have a lot of respect for him, but I also am eyes wide open to where they currently are and where they're supposed to be headed to. And it's a long ways from here to there. Totally fair. And I think they're going to have to make some big, unpopular decisions to get to where they need to be. And uh, my point is this. Uh, I, I have more confidence in Brian Flores making those decisions than I ever did in Joe Philbin. And uh, after the first year in, in Adam Gase, to be honest, there's, uh, he, he's got credibility more with me than those guys. Now, I could be proven wrong, uh, but he, he has the, the, the guts I'd say, to, to do things that maybe other people wouldn't out of fear of getting fired. And I think that's what you need. That's what you need to get this franchise to the next step because it's just not going to happen by crossing your fingers and hoping they, they improve in 2021. There are just way too many holes and way too many questions. Do you have the same confidence in Chris Greer that you have in Brian Flores? Because, you know, Chris Greer is the ultimate decision maker. Uh, no, I do not. Oh, okay. Well... That kind of puts a little fly in the soup, doesn't it? Who do you who do you think when push comes to shove is going to get their way though? I think that they're going to sit down, Brian <laughs> Flores and Chris Greer and Brandon Shore, who I asked to interview two years ago and was promised would happen, and I'm still waiting. And uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> whoever else, Tom Garfinkel and uh, 
you know, maybe ownership and perhaps also other people within the organization, Reggie McKenzie, uh, you know, who knows? The assistant general manager, uh, what's his name? I forgot his name. Uh, Hunt? Uh, Hunt? No, no, no. The assistant general manager. Um, he came from Buffalo. I forgot. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. We both forgot his name because they don't let us talk to these people. Um, anyway, all those people are going to get together and they're going to make organizational decisions, right? You're, 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 you're thinking of Marvin Allen, is that correct? Marvin Allen, correct. Forgive me, Marvin we both had a bit of a brain freeze there, which is okay because we're at the end of a very long season. That's fair. But they're going to make an organizational decision. The thing that I'm saying is Brian Flores is safe, almost in perpetuity right now. Chris Greer, <laughs> I don't know that he's as safe. Uh, not this year, but going forward. And so, and I, I think I think there is an enormous amount of pressure, if not external, internally, on 2021 being a big step forward year. Absolutely. And, and I, I I don't know um, if what they have is enough to make that step forward. In fact, I, I don't think it is. And I and I think there's an understanding in that building um, that that they need to take a big leap forward. And I think you're going to see them. Look, every single year we've we've covered this team. They have done things that have surprised us in the offseason. They have. Um, and I don't think that's going to stop this year. I think they're going to continue to make great big moves to improve their roster. And it's good. You should have boldness. You, you, if you're timid in this league, you're going to fail. You are. And so I, I think it's, we're in for a, a fascinating four or five months, and, and I think they're going to make their team better. All right, so let's get out on this. Um, one question, two answers. Is Tua Tungavailoa the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in 2021? And uh, from what you think the Dolphins are going to do, and what would you do? Oh, God. 50-50, flip a coin. I think they're going to try to make their, their roster better. And if they can do that, he won't be the starter. If they, I mean, if... Do they like him more than Zach Wilson? Do they like him more than, say, Matt Stafford? who could be available in a trade. I mean, there, there, there are some possibilities here for them to improve. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, that two is not even on the roster in, in eight, nine months. I, I think they could move on. All right. Well, thank you very much. And off we go. <laughs> <laughs> Man. What about you? Don't put me on Yeah, the no, I was trying to get out before you asked me. <laughs> so... I think that he will be, uh, you know, I think he will be the starter next year. I think that they're going to look at, look, Justin Fields, is is he better than Tua? Uh, I don't know. He's bigger. He might have a better arm, but is he better? Is he more accurate? No, I think Tua is more accurate. Zach Wilson, I have to be honest with you, not watch them play. Got to study up on the man. You didn't I watch don't know. The, you, didn't, you didn't watch the Boca Bowl? <laughs> no, I I missed that one. Uh, so so I don't know, but I still think that what they're going to opt to do is to improve the team by filling in around Tua, getting him some playmakers, and 
we haven't even touched the offensive coordinator and the play calling there, but that's for another podcast. Well, I didn't I, I didn't want to bring it up because it's entirely possible by the time people hear this, there will have been a change. So I, I, I didn't want to go down that road and not date us. Sure. So, uh, so I think that Tua will be the guy. Is that what I would do? Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> I appreciate your listening, and I believe that Adam Beasley, star of the show, appreciates you listening this year. We're going to keep doing this, Beasley, so um, be back next week. I'll talk to you in seven days. Sounds good.